Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. I know every one of us can probably connect with this, but have you ever, um, have you ever experienced something that you really, really wish others could have, could have experienced the same thing you experienced? You know, you've, we've all been there. You, we've been in situations where uh, we've gone through something or experienced something, and, and you just want to tell people about it, and it doesn't quite, it doesn't quite do your, your experience justice just to tell someone. I'm thinking about our very first time when uh, we went over to Israel and coming back and those, the seven of us from the church that got to go, Miss Anita was there with us and uh, the seven of us that got to go, I remember being there and just connecting with each other and you're so excited. And I remember coming back and all of us on the plane ride and the car rides coming back thinking, how could we... How can we convey to our church what that night was, what that week was like? And we did that Israel recap night, and it was all just, uh, you know, it was just a bunch of video clips and a bunch of uh, information about our trip and all of that. And I even, after leaving that service, I felt like they didn't get it. The church didn't get it. All right, we're going to start. So we started planning the next trip and went the next year, planning for 2020. And I just remember, man, I want everybody to experience what I experienced. I want you to know. I want you to feel how I felt. I want you to see the sights that I saw. I want God to speak to your heart like God spoke to mine. Uh, I think about even this last couple of weeks with us being gone on vacation. And of course, the kids were very excited about everything. And uh, I'm all, I've already uh, heard them telling Nana and telling other family and other friends about their experiences at Disney World and the rides they got to go on and all of the fun they got to have. And they just, they're just trying to convey, here's something awesome that happened to me. And I want you, I want you to, I want you to live it with me. I want you to know about it. We all have those times in our life when there's something exciting that we've experienced that we just want to convey it and we want to share it to somebody else. As we come to Acts chapter number 26 tonight, we're going to find Paul really having this same, having this same attitude. Paul's same attitude of I've experienced something and I just wish that everybody could experience what I've experienced. But for Paul, it wasn't a trip to Israel. It wasn't a Disneyland or a Disney World trip. No, the experience that Paul is trying to convey and the experience that he wishes that everybody else could experience is his salvation. Of course, Acts 26 for us, if we've been in church for any length of time, is no, uh, it's not a, uh, an unfamiliar portion of Scripture. It's really probably not the last days of, of Paul's life by any means, but it's the, last, uh, it's the last couple of years of Paul's life that we have recorded. I personally believe that after Acts 28, Paul actually got out of jail one more time before he would go back and give his life. But Acts chapter number 26 recounts for us a, a certain trial that Paul underwent or went through in Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi. We know 
Uh, of course, in the life of Paul, Paul traveled on three, um, they're called missions trips or three missionary journeys, three major preaching trips that Paul would do. And he would travel with the purpose of speaking and, and starting churches and preaching Christ. And he would travel with the purpose of trying to, of course, reach people for the Lord. And in Acts chapter number 21, Paul finishes up the third of his missionary journeys. In Acts 21, he comes to the city of Jerusalem to meet with the church there. And we won't take time to rehearse everything. But when he arrives in Jerusalem, some unbelieving Jews, they, uh, they falsely accuse him because they're jealous. And of course, because they don't like his message. And so they falsely accuse uh, Paul of, of um, insurrection against, uh, against Judaism and all of these different things. And so Paul would be arrested in Acts 21. And from Acts 21 all the way to Acts 27, Paul just goes from one trial to the next. In Jerusalem, he goes before a Roman leader named Claudius Lysias. He goes before him a couple of times. And during those meetings, this leader, Claudius Lysias or Lysias, uh, he finds nothing wrong with Paul or with the accusations. After these trials, his uh, accusers, they plot to kill him. And the plot is found out by Paul's nephew. Paul's nephew finds out and shares that with Paul. And Paul says, you need to go and tell Claudius Lysias about this. And so the nephew goes and tells Claudius this. And Claudius comes up with this, this plan to send a whole entourage, uh, over 200 soldiers and horsemen that would escort Paul from Jerusalem all the way to Caesarea. Now, the purpose of moving Paul to Caesarea is because there, Paul would stand uh, in a trial before the governor, Felix. So when Paul gets to Caesarea, he goes before Felix, and Felix finds Paul innocent. I, I find no fault in this man. But because of Felix's lack of backbone, he, uh, he doesn't release Paul. It says in order to appease the Jews or to please the Jews, he leaves Paul bound. And for two years... Felix just leaves Paul bound. Well, Felix is removed from office. And after Felix is removed from office, a new man steps in by the name of Festus. Acts 20, um, let's see. Acts 25 records Paul going before Festus. And so Paul goes before Festus. And you know what happens when Paul goes before Festus? Festus says, Paul, I find you innocent. There's no guilt here, but I'm going to have you go before King Agrippa. And so Paul would now have to go before another trial, before another judiciary system, and this would be with King Agrippa. And so as we come to Acts 26, Paul is in what is called the Praetorium in Caesarea, it would be an area where much like, um, much like one of our courtrooms, we have the, to be called upon the witness stand, that little square booth next to the judge, the praetorium would be similar to this. And Paul would be called before King Agrippa and Festus would be there and, and Agrippa and others that would be there. And we're going to see a, a little bit in a minute about everything that is said through the passage. But I actually want us to start at the end of the trial. 
And so I want you to take your Bible, if you would. Let's go to Acts chapter 26 and jump all the way down with me to verse number 24. Acts chapter 26 and verse number 24. And we read these words. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus, he said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he, Paul, said, I am not mad, no, most noble Festus, but I speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. Agrippa knows what I'm talking about. For this thing was not done in a corner. Verse 27. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. And then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Now that's a famous verse we read a lot. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. But I want you to catch verse 29. Look at what it says. And Paul said, I would to God, I wish to God, my deepest prayer request is that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. Now, before we pray and get into the, the notes and the message tonight, I really just want to set the scene and I want to set the power of verse number 29. The scene, of course, Paul in the praetorium before Festus and Agrippa. But also, who would be here would be all of Paul's accusers. All of the people who, over the course of the last three years, had lied to keep Paul in prison. We could call them the enemies of Paul. We could say that in this room on this day are not only leaders who hold uh, Paul's future and his, whether he lives or dies, they hold it in their hand and they could make that decision. But also in the same area, the praetorium, are Paul's enemies. And Paul, he, we'll see it in a second, he recounts his testimony when he gets saved and everything that happened in his life and all the changes that God had made in his life. And then Agrippa says that line, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. And yet Paul, his response is, Agrippa, I not only wish that you would believe, but I wish that every single person in this room Every enemy that's in here, every man who could, who could take the, uh, my life and just, just sniff it out, just snuff it out, just like that, I wish that every single one of you knew Christ like I know Christ. That's a powerful statement. I mean, I don't know about you, but with my enemies, sometimes I'm not like, you know, I wish you had the same relationship with God that I have. You know, sometimes I'm like, you know, I wish you would meet God sooner than me. Now, let's be honest. And with our enemies, with people that have done us wrong, in our humanity, are we often quick to forgive? And we're not quick to forgive. And yet here's Paul in a moment when he could have said, man, King, I wish you believed. As for you guys, I ain't got much to say for you. 
Now, in this moment, Paul said, I wish to God, I pray, I, my, my deepest prayer request is that everyone would believe. Man, Paul had an experience that he wanted others to experience. And tonight, I want to encourage us as we learn from this passage just in these next few minutes together, I want to encourage us to really pray and ask God, God, help me, help me to have the same desire with my Christian experience that Paul did with his, that I would desire that other people would experience Christ the way that I did. Let's pray and then we'll jump into the outline tonight. Lord, thank you for this day and thank you, God, for just the opportunity we have to come and to be in your house. And Lord, I wanna pray tonight that you would, uh, that you would help us, that you'd speak to us. I wanna pray that you'd help us to hear from you and Father, to understand exactly what you want to give to us. And Lord, I thank you for this passage. Thank you for how you have challenged me the last um, week and a half with this. And Lord, I just pray that you would help it to, uh, to be conveyed tonight. Father, the desire of reaching people with you. We love you, Lord, and thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. When we come to Acts 26, um, <clears throat> we need to know a few things about Paul. I, uh, I'm gonna say tonight, we know, we know these things, but I just wanna make sure we're on the same page. First, we need to know that Paul, he was once the, the persecutor of the church, right? He was the greatest persecutor of the Christians. You can go and he'll recount for that in just a few moments. We'll read some verses, but he actually said this in Galatians 1.13. He said, for ye have heard of my conversation or my life in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. That was his own words. Beyond measure, man, you can't even measure how much destruction I brought into the church. So Paul was one who was a persecutor of the church, but we also need to know that Paul was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee that was, uh, he titled himself the Pharisee of all Pharisees, right? That one who taught the law, but didn't necessarily follow the law that believed that religion could, could be his salvation. And Pharisees were the strictest of the religious people, and they trusted very much in the religion of, of doing this and not doing this and going there and not going here. And Paul said, hey, listen, I was the Pharisee of all Pharisees. So he was a, he was a great persecutor. He was a great Pharisee. But we know the story that one day on the road to where? On, day, on the road to Damascus. And Paul met Christ. And God appeared, Jesus Christ appeared to him in a, in a vision and, and stood before Paul. And Paul was there. The light shone round about him. And on that day, uh, the voice cried out from heaven, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Saul said, who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for you to, to kick against the pricks. Hey, Saul, I've been coming after you, and it's hard for you to say no to me. Saul, listen, you are about to, your life's about to change. And you can go, and actually from Acts 21 to Acts 26, Paul's testimony is written for us three times, two of them very much in detail, and the third time, uh, just kind of an overall sketch of his salvation experience. But on that day, and on that day when Saul of Tarsus, Paul, met Christ, everything changed. And Saul began, Paul began to experience something that he would later say, I wish to God that everybody could experience what I experienced. Well, what did Paul experience on that day? You have the handout if you have one tonight. If you need a handout, slip one up. Danny will bring you one. Anybody need one? 
One right over here. That's it. <clears throat> Look at your handout tonight, and I want us to notice a few things that God changed in Paul's life. I noticed, first of all, that God changed Paul's position. God changed Paul's position. Notice, if you will, from the notes that God changed Paul's position first from enemy to friend. And Paul says, listen, God changed my position from enemy to friend. Go, if you will, to verse number one, down through verse number five. Notice what Paul says. It says, then Agrippa said unto Paul, thou art permitted to speak for thyself. And Paul, he stretched forth the hand and he answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. Hey, Agrippa, I know you know the law. I know you know the history of the Jewish people. King Agrippa, just just hear me out. Listen to me patiently. Now, what does Paul do? He begins to recount his testimony. What's he say? My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among my own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning. And if they would testify, they would say that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. What's Paul saying? He's saying, listen, if you were to go before I met Jesus, everybody here, all of these people that have falsely accused me, all of them would say, I was the Pharisee among all Pharisees. And I made myself, I made myself, he's gonna say this a little bit later, an enemy of God. I was following religion, but I wasn't following God. And Paul is saying this, I used to be on that side of this witness stand. I used to be the one that was persecuting. I used to be the one that was right where they are. Notice verse six and seven. Paul says this, and now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our 12 tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come, for which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. We can't really dive into everything that is here, but Paul is simply saying to the king, he's telling him, I used to be an enemy of God, but now I became a friend. I used to be the accuser, but now I'm the accused. I used to be on that end following religion, but now I'm following Christ. You know, Paul begins to do, he just sets up the stage by saying, hey, I just want you to know what I was and what I am now. What I was was an enemy, and what I am is now a friend. I was the one who was against Christianity, and now I'm the one who's preaching Christianity. If we were to go, and again, we can't do it, but Paul later would say in his testimony to King Agrippa that I thought I was doing God a service 
by persecuting Christians. But I actually wasn't following God at all. I thought I was doing God a service by persecuting those who follow the name of Jesus, but I was actually persecuting the Messiah himself by persecuting those who followed him. Paul knew that his position had changed from enemy to friend, but Paul also knew that his enemy had changed from condemned to forgiven. God changed my position from condemned to forgiven. As Paul recounts his salvation experience, he brings attention later in the, in the passage to the forgiveness that is only found in Christ. Jump all the way down, if you would, to verse number 18. Paul is recounting what God had said to him. God had said to him, Paul, I'm going to use you to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. As Paul recounts to Agrippa his salvation experience, he is saying, hey, listen, uh, one day you can go back to verse number uh, verse number 13 is where Paul kind of starts in on this, saying at midday, a light shone around about me, and, and here's the voice I heard, and here's uh, what the, the response that I had, but here's what the voice said to me. In verse number 16, the voice said, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee, and God begins to recount, hey, Paul, here's what you're going to do, but in verse 18, he highlights, God told me that I'm going about, and I'm going to speak forgiveness to people. You know, you can't preach about the complete forgiveness of God unless you've really experienced the complete forgiveness of God. Oh, I mean, you can talk about it, but you can't really go around. You think about it, you can't really go around and be used like Paul was used without truly experiencing it. Paul would later say in the book of, uh, of um, Galatians, I believe, when he said, I was the chiefest of sinners. And yet I found forgiveness with God. You know, on this day, as Paul recounts his testimony, he's helping King Agrippa know, hey, when I got saved, everything changed. My position changed. I was an enemy, but I became a friend. I was guilty, but now with God, I'm forgiven. What else changed in Paul's life? Look, if you will, that Paul's purpose changed. God changed my purpose. I just read the verse, but go to verse number 15. Verse number 15 down through verse number 20, Paul recounts his story. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest, but rise and stand upon thy feet. Notice the next phrase, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. Paul, here's what I'm gonna do with you to make thee a minister and a witness both of, those, of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is upon me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but I showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all of the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. 
Here's Paul saying, listen, I was once the loudest voice against the message of Jesus Christ, but now I, try to, I desire to be the strongest voice for the message of Jesus Christ. You see, before Jesus came into Paul's life, Paul completely lived for himself. He was living about his purpose and desiring uh, and following his desires and, and following through with what he thought was the way that God wanted to use him. But now, here's what Paul is saying. When I got saved, man, King Agrippa, God looked at me and God said, I have a new purpose for you. And Saul, you're no longer going to be used to persecute me. You're going to be used to preach me. And Paul is saying, King Agrippa, you know what changed? God gave me purpose. God gave me purpose. God not only gave me acceptance, but he gave me purpose. He said it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful putting me in the ministry who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. We'll not take the time to do it tonight, but in many of Paul's writings, he speaks of the emptiness that he had before Christ and he speaks of the hopelessness and he speaks of really the pointlessness of life. But this is Paul saying tonight, hey, what changed is God gave me purpose. And King Agrippa, My position changed, my purpose changed. Aren't you thankful to know when you trusted Christ as Savior that you began to realize purpose in life? And as as we, um, this week, we spent some time, you know, there in Florida, and uh, one of the evenings we were, we ended up talking to this, uh, this couple, and uh, he was, he was from India, and she was from Italy, is that right, Hannah? And we talked to this couple, an interest, very interesting story, and they were uh, both 62 or 63 years old. And I mean, we just really uh, spent 30 or 40 minutes just sitting there, just talking with them, having this great conversation with them. And <clears throat> I couldn't help, and Hannah caught it too, I couldn't help as they were talking. We talked about religion, and we talked about uh, um, his religion and her religion and their backgrounds and where their kids are at and, and uh, where the world is at and where their friends are at, just everything. And you know what? I, I could not help but just think, man, God, you truly bring purpose into life. No longer, you know, think about it, but people who don't know Christ, it's just kind of going from one reason to live for the, to the next, right? It's, uh, well, work, and then kids, and marriage, and then this religion, and that religion, and, and this uh, philosophy, and that philosophy, and this uh, form of science, you know, whatever it is. But man, when you trust Christ, what happens? Man, God gives you purpose. That's what Paul's recounting and, 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 and uh, giving to Agrippa. Hey, when I got saved, God gave me purpose, changed my purpose, I see tonight that God changes our position. He changes our purpose. But then also, Paul gives him this thought that God changed my place for eternity. Man, God changed my destiny where I'm going to spend eternity. Skip down, if you will, verse 22 and 23. I'm going to read verse 24 as well. It's not on the screen, but I love it. It says, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, Witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those, than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. Paul said basically, hey, I'm just, I just preach the word. Man, I, just, I just stay true to the Bible. I stay true to the word that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead. 
and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. In verse 24, and as he thus spake for himself, Festus interrupted him. He stops him, says with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Man, you are crazy. Much learning doth make you mad. You're acting like a drunk man. You're acting out of your mind right now, Paul. Well, why would, why would Festus say it right there? Why would he interrupt him right there? Here's why he would interrupt him. If you look at verse 22 and 23, specifically verse 23, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead. And should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. You know what Paul is speaking about? Is he speaking about life after death? And Festus caught it. He's speaking about the fact that there is life after death. That Jesus Christ should be the first and others can follow. In these verses, as Paul refers to the raising of the dead, he is speaking of the fact that there is life after death. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he proved that. Jesus was God's son. He had a miraculous birth. He lived a perfect life. And then he died an undeserving death. And then after that death, he rose again from the dead. And as a matter of fact, Paul is helping Festus and Agrippa understand everybody will spend eternity somewhere. Hey, Festus, hey, Agrippa, I'm giving this to you, and I want you to recognize eternity is real. There is life after this death. And that's where Festus interrupts him. Man, you're crazy. There's not life after death. You're acting like a madman. After this is nothing. Man, you're acting like a drunk person. And Paul answers him. Verse number 25, he says, I'm not mad. I'm not crazy. What's he say? He says, but I speak forth the words of truth and of soberness. You know what he's saying? I'm not drunk. This isn't isn't crazy. And then what does Paul do? Then Paul turns in verse 26 to the king, to Agrippa. And he says to Agrippa, hey, you know all this to be true. Hey, you're not ignorant. Some historians believe that Agrippa, of all of the trials that Paul would have, uh, would have experienced, I read this a number of years ago, I might get some of the facts uh, a little bit off, but that of all the trials that Paul experienced, that Agrippa was probably the most knowledgeable in regards to Christianity as well as to Judaism. That, that, that Agrippa was just a very knowledgeable, knowing man. And we would probably agree with that because of verse 26. Hey, king, you know all of these things to be true. I've just spoke freely before you, and you know this to be true. And I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from you. Why? Because this wasn't done in a closet. Hey, hey, King Agrippa, I know know you weren't born yesterday. (laughs) King Agrippa, I know you've been around a little bit. You know there's life after death. And you know what happened, King, is when I got saved, when I trusted Christ, when I put my faith in him, I know where I'm going to spend eternity because I know there is a resurrection and I know I will rise again and I know I will be with him in heaven. What's Paul doing? Man, he's just saying, hey, God changed my destiny. God changed my place for eternity. And I want you to see lastly tonight and where we'll close 
is Paul saying that God changed my passion. Paul got, or King Agrippa, God changed my passion. Verse 28, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian, Agrippa says to Paul. And what's Paul's comment? King, I would to God. That phrase, would to God, it means I have a a deep-rooted wish. We would would probably say it. I have a deep-rooted prayer request. I have a deep desire. What's your deep desire, Paul? That not only you, king, but that also Festus and all these Pharisees, all the Sanhedrin that are here, all my enemies, I wish that every one of them were just like me. But you know what he says at the end? (laughs) Accept these bonds. What's he saying? Man, I wish they were saved and not arrested. I think if it was me and you, we'd say, I wish they were just like me, saved and arrested, experiencing what I'm experiencing. That's not Paul. He said, no, listen, my deep prayer request is that the lost would experience what I've experienced. We won't go into detail on all of these passages, but I want you to consider four other places. These are four of many, but four other places where Paul said a similar thing. Romans chapter one and verse number 14, Paul said, I am debtor. I'm in debt to the, to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. What was he saying I'm in debt for? If you go to verse 15 and 16, they're not on the screen, but Paul is basically saying, I'm indebted to preach the gospel to them. I owe it to everybody around me to preach Christ to them. How about Romans chapter 10 and verse number one, when Paul said this, brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for Israel, for the Hebrew people is that they would be saved. Man, everybody's going around thinking that I wish the Jews wouldn't be saved. No, my desire for the Hebrew people is that they'd be saved. Colossians chapter one, verse 27 through 29, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. You know what Paul is saying right there? He's saying, listen, I go around preaching Christ and my desire is that every single person would believe. Whereunto I labor. I also labor striving according to his working, which worketh mightily in me. Hey, I just wanna be a vessel that God would use to impact people. And I want every person, every person, I pray they believe. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses one through five, Paul said, therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But listen, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we, we preach not ourselves, 
but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves for your servants' sake. And you know what Paul's saying? In Acts, it's the same thing he said through his entire ministry. I have a new passion. My passion is now not to persecute Christians, but to help make Christians. Paul knew he couldn't do the saving, but he's supposed to do the spreading. Man, go out and tell people. And King Agrippa, I wish, I wish that not only you, but everybody in here, I pray to God that not only you, but everybody I meet would come to know Christ. I don't know about you, but it it really sounds like Paul truly wanted others to experience what he experienced. Hey, God changed my position. God changed my purpose. God changed my place of eternity, my, my destiny. But God changed my passion. I want to ask you a question tonight, and we'll close with it. But I wonder, do you have a passion to see the lost come to know Christ as Savior? Hey, do you have a passion, a real desire to see your coworkers experience Christ like you've experienced Christ? Let me ask it this way. Do you have a passion to see the lost in Moses Lake come to Christ? You know, I think for myself, this week when we were gone, I I think I said it a couple weeks ago, but for the month of December, I've been doing this whole year a a study, a, a book a month. And this month I'm doing the book of Acts. And so every day I've been... I'm doing the, uh, seven chapters a day in the book of Acts. So every four days, I'm reading through it. And so right now, today's the 16th. Uh, tonight, I have one chapter left, chapter 28, and I'll have read it four times already this month. And I was reading it the second time at the beginning of last week. And I came across verse 29 of Acts 26. And it really just, it really just jumped out at me. Because I could sense, uh, you know, you almost, I, I don't know if you read the Bible like I do. I try to put myself where they are. All right, I'm the praetorium. I'm there. I'm the one being questioned. What would my response be? And I'm ashamed to tell you, but my response at times would probably not be, I wish that even my enemies would come to know Christ like I know him. I mean, forget my enemies. Sometimes we, we'd, we don't even think about the people at the supermarket. They just get on our nerves. That person who, you know, uh, drives you nuts at work, they're just irritating. I don't, my, my desire is not that they would come to know Christ. My desire is that they would quit their job and leave. You know, that neighbor that really frustrates you, my desire is that their house, that, their, that they'd sell their house and move. Right? Our desire, our desire is not that other people would experience what we've experienced. Our desire is that other people would experience what we want them to experience. And I fear that if we're not careful, and hear me out, and I recognize it's a Thursday night. I fear that if we're not careful, 
we lose the desire to share Christ with people that they might experience Jesus like we've experienced him. I'm thinking specifically about Sunday night. Sunday night, we have our Christmas event and we've been talking about it and we've been posting about it and we've had invitations about it. But I wonder how many invitations have we given out? How many people have we really spoken to and and really prayed like, God, would you help them to come? Oh, I know we can kind of go through the duty. I can do it and go through my duty just handing things out. But I wonder, I wonder this week, has there been somebody that we've given an invitation to and thought, I just want them, I want them to come because I want them to experience what I've experienced. I want them to know Christ like I know Christ. And we have a great opportunity every day through our words, through our life, through our social media, through our interactions, We have great opportunities to share Jesus with people, but we miss it. As I sat in a hotel room in Orlando, Florida, and read Acts 26, 29, about to go to Disney World, I prayed, God, help me not to miss people today. Now, I couldn't walk around Disney World handing out tracts. That's a sure way to get kicked out of Disney World. You know what I did ask? God, if you give me opportunity to talk to people today, help me to see it and help me to take it. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.